He noticed her the moment he came in. She was wearing a white cashmere sweater that matched her ash-blonde hair, her pale cheeks and the bright carmine of her lipstick. She was wearing long black earrings. She looked about twenty-two. She was sitting in the corner of a sofa. From the way the jacket fell, he guessed that her figure would be full and firm. He watched her across the cocktail party as he was moved by his host from one group to another. When the man beside her rose, taking her glass with him, he went across to her, carrying a martini. That man mustn't be allowed to monopolize you. It was a martini, wasn't it? It was. He sat beside her. The earrings had silver figures in their centers. Who gave you those? he said. Why do you ask that? Because they are made in Thailand. That's near my home. Where's that? Karak. I don't suppose you've heard of it? Indeed I have. There's a racing motorist from there. Can you remember who? Prince somebody. That sounds like me. Really? I am Prince Rhea. She raised her eyebrows. I've never met a prince before. It's nothing very grand, not nearly as grand as being an English earl. It's something, though. It's better than plain mister. Is that what you are? Is that what I am what? Just plain miss something. That's right. And miss not Mrs. Miss Annetta Marsh. Tell me about yourself. There isn't much to tell. What do you do? How do you mean, what do I do? You work in some office somewhere, I suppose. She shook her head. I don't do any work. I thought all the young women in England work these days. All except me. I get jobs, but lose them. I arrive after the boss and take two hours off for lunch. I was born thirty years too late. I should have been a poor little rich girl in the 1920s, except that I wouldn't have thought of myself as poor. It would have been the life for me. He laughed. She was fun. She was frank and direct with an unself-conscious sense of humour. It was a characteristic of English women that he liked, and there were a great many things he liked about English women. He had heard them called stiff and cold, and perhaps they were with their fellow countrymen, living on their bleak northern island, breathing the same chill air, English men and women had become like brothers and sisters to each other. They had ceased to be electric for one another. But an Englishman was quite different when he was abroad, and English women were very different with foreigners. No diplomat complained when he was posted to the court of St. James. He looked at the girl beside him, then made up his mind. I'd like to persuade you to dine with me tonight. You wouldn't have to try very hard. Then I shan't need this. 
he pulled a small envelope from his pocket and tore it in half. What's that? A ticket for Drury Lane. For my fair lady? Yes. And for tonight? He nodded. When I go to a cocktail party, I buy a single seat for a theatre. If I don't meet anyone amusing at the party, then I've got my evening taken care of. If I do, I tear the ticket up. Her eyes widened. I hope you're going to find me worth it. When they got up to go, he saw that she was nearly five feet ten. I had no idea you were so tall. Does it matter? Not in the least. He had a furnished flat in Curzon Street, over a fashionable restaurant where the head waiter always kept a table for him until nine o'clock.